Most of the male runners figured if any woman wants to run 26 miles in a driving rain, let her run. But veteran Boston trainer Jock Semple thought the whole thing was silly. No, there's enough competition for women. What the heck? Why did they want to tackle the, the, the toughest thing in the world? It's just the uh, women and their stubbornness just want to do something that they're not supposed to do. That's all there is to it. You know that. You're married. That was 50 years ago. In the time since, women have made remarkable progress towards equality in sport. Today, 40% of all athletes are women, and yet women still receive less than 4% of media coverage. The Iron Woman podcast wants to help change that. We interview female professional athletes and other remarkable women making breakthroughs in endurance, sport, and research. So that when I grow up, I will have heroes. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm Haley Chura. And I'm Rosalie. And you're listening to the Iron Women Podcast. Triathlon is certainly hard on your skin, without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now. I'm so glad you still had an hour of time to record Iron Women with me this week because I saw through some social media posts that you've been famous once again in your local media and I'm sure you're just getting hounded for all sorts of pop 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 paparazzi requests I haven't said that word out loud in a while and it was coming out wrong (laughs) Alyssa it's so crazy. I literally can't leave the house because I just get hounded by people. <laughs> Actually, no, I can't leave the house because there's a virus. <laughs> so it's a great time to be famous, right? Like everyone's at home. I don't have to, I wear a mask and everyone's wearing a mask. I I am loving the life of fame. I don't get recognized at all, but you know, maybe when the vaccine comes out and we don't wear masks anymore, I'll have to deal with it. But I think I have some time. But it was super cool to see you getting some well-deserved attention from your local media, Haley. And they just, for listeners who might not have seen that, they got wind of some of the um, amazing content that you have been putting together and putting out with Iron Women and how that is helping the communities that you touch um, around this like crazy time. So, you know, did you expect it? Like, did you see that coming? No, I didn't. I was actually really excited. And when the reporter contacted me, I I was a little shocked because I had I had done a little piece with him ahead of the Olympic trials. And then the world obviously changed. And the mini episodes were never something I intended to like do quite so many of. I think I've done 12 of them so far. And I didn't end up I didn't, you know, anticipate 
doing so many, but it has been good for me. And I think it's nice to get some external validation that other people are enjoying them as well. And the poor sports reporters these days, though, I think he interviewed me via Zoom while like right after like covering a city budget meeting. So he said he was really missing covering sports. So we, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are wearing different hats these days. And so we got to appreciate all of them, but it was nice for the local, uh, CBS station here in Bozeman to do that story. And maybe we should put that in the show notes in case anyone wants to see me, uh, on the other side of the mic talking about myself and, and some like fun pictures of me holding shoes in my kitchen. We will definitely put that in the show notes. And what else have you been up to despite the, you know, aside from the media frenzy here? Well, the weather here has improved quite a bit in Bozeman. It's a lot sunnier. It's a lot warmer, which has made my outdoor runs quite, quite nice. I, I'm pretty lucky here that it's easy to social distance, but I've been running some different routes than I normally would just because I am trying to kind of avoid the more popular routes. And I've actually kind of loved it, Alyssa. I've, I've been running streets more than I would just because there is less traffic. And I am really enjoying looking at some of the houses and just seeing some of the neighborhoods that I wouldn't normally see and seeing Bozeman in a new way. And it's really made me love Bozeman even more than I, I did before. So I'm, I'm, you know, looking forward to a day when we don't have to all stay at be six feet apart. I think we're all looking forward to that. And when I can go back to the shops and restaurants that I love so much in Bozeman, but there, there has been some, uh, some growth and some learning in, in the last couple of weeks. So I've been appreciating that. How about you? How's, uh, how's Charlottesville? Charlottesville's okay. Um, the weather here is like typical spring. So we are getting some good sun, but we are getting a lot of random rainy days too but the I keep telling myself the April showers will bring the May flowers so we're sticking it out um and I've just this last week especially Haley I have been doing a lot of running randomly so I um we there's a a challenge going on so kind of like a virtual race but more of like a virtual challenge because results aren't compiled and things like that necessarily it's like honor system to do it and we decided to do this as kind of like a team building with um, Team HPB, which is who I coach with. Um, head coach Hillary Biscay leads everyone. And someone had brought up the Yeti challenge, Yeti ultra challenge. So done from like a group. I for, are they in? I think they're in Arkansas, maybe. Sorry. They're in Georgia. Georgia. They're in Georgia. <laughs> I was going to say Georgia. And then I was like, it's not Georgia. That's just because I'm talking to Haley. I'm thinking Georgia. Okay. So anyway, thank you to the Yeti trail runners who came up with this virtual challenge in place of some of an ultra that they were going to have around this time frame. And basically they were just challenging people to run five miles every four hours for 24 hours. And so, um, we had, 18 of our athletes, well, 17 of our athletes sign up and then myself, Hillary, and another woman that coaches with us. So 20 of us were all partaking in this challenge on Saturday and it was, it was pretty interesting. I, of course, being me, was like, well, I, I want to do this on like really tired legs. So I also added a bonus challenge to myself to run up, um, one of the like the local kind of like race routes here. So we have this place called, it's a gravel road called Jarman's Gap and it's 2.8 miles long and there's a little over 1500 feet of elevation gain. So the first mile is actually pretty runnable. Um, and then the last two miles are like where you get the majority of the elevation gain, I guess. Um, 
And so it's tough. Like it's it's really tough. And uh, about a month ago, one of the local male runners around here had kind of pointed out that there weren't there was only one female who had ever broken 30 minutes running up this darn mountain. So um, that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, yeah, I know some of the women here and like we all definitely can break 30. We just like need to give a proper go at this. So I was like, OK, the day before the Yeti challenge, I'm going to like bust my butt and race up Jarman's. And I did that and I, it was pretty fun, Haley, to like just do a race against yourself. And I like I had like pre-race nerves the night before. It was like pouring rain. I was like getting thunderstorms in the morning and I was like, oh, no, I had to like put myself on a on a weather delay. And I was like, <laughs> you know, my, I ate my pre-race breakfast and then I had to like deal with that because I was on the weather delay. So it was like it was it was actually very fun for me to get that kind of like race anxiety again and like force myself to like practice going through the motions of racing. Right. Because I knew how bad it was going to hurt. And so that was what was giving me like the anxiety, I guess. But, um, I, yeah, so I ran, I ran, uh, 29 Oh, Oh six, I think. Yeah. Way way under 30 minutes. It was slipping away quite fast in that third mile though. It, but, um, the, the like queen of the mountain time was at that point, 28, uh, 49, I think. And that actually just got broken. So then, you know, like kind of the spirit of why we do these things. Right. Um, another woman that I have run with around here, she was like, oh, Alyssa broke 30. Like, and she had been trying for a year to be her previous PR was like 31 and a half minutes. And she's faster than me. Like, I, there's no reason I, you know, so I was like, you got to go for this. Like I did it. You can do it. And she actually did it this weekend. So now she beat the queen of the mountain time by 10 seconds. So um, she's now the record holder and I'm hoping this will be like a fun competition, but I do want to say, Haley, I realized I didn't get the queen of the mountain on the uphill. And so I was like calculating it and I was like, I think I can get the like whole lap record. Right. So like up and down. And so I ran down that mountain, like nobody's business. And I made it down in like 17 and a half minutes. And so I do I, 47 something is like the record for the lap now, which I have, which is pretty exciting for me. That's really cool. And so going back to this Yeti challenge, I am actually somewhat familiar because I had one of my athletes do it the weekend before. And I know the start time is kind of critical because you are going to be running through a night. So did you start Friday night? Did you start Saturday morning? I think I saw on social media, you all start at the same time, even though all of you, your group of 20 was in different time zones. So how did that work out for you? Yeah, so um, we started with 4 a.m. Pacific time, 7 a.m. Eastern time. And that um, was definitely harder for the East Coasters because doing the like 11 p.m., 3 a.m. runs um, are are difficult. Um, you know? <laughs> Whereas like, yeah, of course, I, I would have rather have gotten that, that like real thick of the night one over first at 4 a.m. Because 4 a.m. is like, you can kind of trick yourself into thinking it's morning. Um, but the getting out of bed, well, getting into bed after the 11 p.m. and like knowing you are only going to have like a little bit of sleep and then also worrying you needed to wake up for that 3 a.m. run was a little interesting. But it was, you know, I framed it to myself as like, OK, this is like pretend you're doing some sort of like adventure and you're only allowed to get a little nap here. And so like, let's just see how it goes. Um, and it was fun. Like I was. I get kind of a thrill of like being up at night when no one else is and like running when it's like just dark and quiet and seeing like being able to run kind of through the street and I'm wearing like a million blinking lights, of course, but like, um, 
it's just once I was like out of bed and I had chugged half a Red Bull, then I was like ready to go for my 3 a.m. run. Did you run the same loop for all six? It's six, right? No. So Haley, I am like, I don't know if this is like a positive or a negative to my my um, personality, but of course I was like, I needed to be motivated. And so my initial thought was that my boyfriend, Matt, would do it too. And we would race like head to head. We either do the same route or a different route, but like we would race um, each segment to see like who ultimately comes out on top. But then he wasn't, isn't running that much right now. So um, he wasn't going to do it. So I was like, okay, I have to keep myself motivated. So I went on Strava and I found six different segments and then planned six different <laughs> routes um, to basically try and snipe like Strava segments around my house. Because to be honest, like I think that kind of thing is is really fun to just like have like, you know, those little like carrots out in front of you while you're running. And I am like partially protective of my like home turf segments. Right. But when I am in real training, you know, I am also very disciplined. And so like I even if I want to, if I have an easy run on my schedule, I'm not going to kill myself to get a segment, even though like I've wanted to for months. Right. So this was like finally I had the opportunity to do anything I wanted with these runs. And so I was totally out there sniping Strava segments and it was glorious. It was really fun. On that final 3 a.m. run, did you get any Strava segments? I got two. And so I actually saved the hardest for the last one because they were like, they literally like leads to my doorstep. So I was like, I've got to earn these two, right? And it was um, like a, it was like 0.61 miles and you have like a hill at the end of it. So I had to run under 640 pace for the 61.61 miles to get the segment and Haley, I was, I mean, if anyone was out there at 3 a.m., I'm sure it would have been a sight to see because I was like burying myself. To, to Dying animal noises. For sure. <laughs> and someone out there, some woman out there woke up and found out her, her Strava segment, her QOM had been taken. She'd been dethroned overnight by some crazy woman in Charlottesville. <laughs> How were you feeling a couple days later? Um, I was feeling pretty rough. It was like a cement truck was on top of me on Sunday morning when I was like trying to get out of bed. Um, but slowly, I definitely came around. I did some some walks with Ramona. I, you know, a lot of hydrating with noon and just kind of making sure I like had set things up. And, you know, I purposefully planned to have Sunday have like a very brief, easy spin and be arranging my life so I could get to bed very early that following day. I think that's the that was a big part of it to make sure that then today I'm feeling, you know, once again, like a normal human being. But it was fun. If anyone out there is thinking of doing that, um, I definitely I think it's it's harder like that four hours goes by a lot quicker than I anticipated it would. And that makes me realize that the race is like Big's backyard where you're doing it on the hour. I mean, Obviously, you are going there to like do only that if you're in a race like that. But I mean, that that time must absolutely fly by because the four hours was flying by. So um, but it was interesting. It was fun to to give it a, a whirl. I do feel like you should do one of those Bigs Backyard uh, ultras. I, I think you would be really good at it. So maybe this was like the entry level. This is like the gateway into one of those, those whatever you run four miles every hour on the hour. Um, yeah, you get like 15 minutes of rest time rather than like three hours. And I don't know that. Yeah, good job. And you did mention noon, recovering with noon. And we have a little announcement from noon, one of our sponsors, Noon Hydration. Yes. So Haley, this month 
is like um, they they brought back. I don't know if you remember this from your early days of triathloning. I was like super into the Kona Cola flavor when I was starting my like triathlon career. I have very early memories of like drinking that through very long, hot bike rides in Baltimore um, County, actually. So I um, was super excited for the announcement in early April that Kona Cola is actually back and it had like disappeared, I think, because um, when Noon made like a refocus on clean ingredients and and sustainability and things like that, um, they had like had to figure out how to do that with this particular flavor. And so they did. And Kona Cola is back. And they also brought in a new flavor, Kiwi Strawberry. So um, I thought I was going to be 100% Kona Cola, but I have tried Kiwi Kiwi Strawberry. And that, I have to say, um, definitely won me over more than I thought. So if you want to try these flavors, they are right now available for a limited time at NoonLife.com. And you can get 30% off with the code IRONWOMEN. I have not tried either flavor, but I was a huge fan of Kona Cola back in the day. So I do need to head to noonlife.com, use that code ironwomen, get 30% off. And then I will, I will have a verdict. Kona Cola versus Kiwi Strawberry. Again, I'm like you, I would guess that I would prefer Kona Cola for sure, but I've been surprised by some of the other flavors when I think I don't like, won't like them. And then I really do. So they're worth trying out. And Haley, we have a mailbag question that came in and this is from Lindsay. She is a six-time Ironman finisher. She's been a triathlete for eight years, and the run is her weak spot. So she has a coach, and she's seen improvements, but she still struggles. And she's just curious because neither of us had come from an elite running background. If we have any tips, tricks, or advice on things that worked for us or our athletes to improve run speed as we both now are able to hold our own on the run. So Haley, what about you? What's your like... What has been your evolution to get that, that leg speed in running? 12 years with no major injury. Well, only one major injury, but no running related injury. And, um, and even the one major injury when I, it was a leg injury and coming back from that, like really, really slowly. And I know that's not the answer anyone wants to hear is like super long time, but it is just patience and consistency and, also completely buying into my coach's plan. So when specifically, if I talk about coming back from the crash, when I had hurt my leg and I wasn't sure I would ever run again. And we actually used like a more conservative return to running plan than even my doctor had prescribed. And it was like, there were definitely moments where I was like, Oh, I should be doing more. I should be doing more. But looking back, you know, five years later, I'm like, wow, I'm so thankful that I followed that plan because now five years later, I'm running my best marathon ever. So I think that sometimes buying in and believing in a plan, even when it seems like everyone's telling you something different, it can really, really pay off. And I would add that in a triathlon perspective, sometimes having better runs in a triathlon is actually about more time on the bike and coming off the bike, less tired or coming out of the swim, less tired because it is a three sport event. So I think that sometimes if you are stronger on the bike and you come off the bike, less tired, you are going to run better. And so you're not necessarily going to get that run speed by running more in training. It might actually be by cycling more in training. So it's a little bit counterintuitive and probably something that maybe you and your coach can sit down and look at your schedule and, you know, make sure that she or he knows that this is 
a goal of yours and, um, and then be patient with yourself and give yourself a little bit of time because if you can put together months or years of consistent training with no injury, chances are that is going to be your best bet at getting faster. Yeah. I think that's all really, really good advice. And, you know, I ran my first, like, I think when I ran my first 50 mile, that was like the beginning of my like current career, I feel like. So that was in 2006. And I too, like, I don't even like to say this out loud, but like have had no major injuries. I'm knocking on what does I say this? Um, or like issues um, with like my, my body. I've been able to stay healthy through all of that. So I think a lot of that for me has come down to um, diet and fueling and fueling a lot and fueling like all the time. Um, and I think that has really, really helped. Like when I look at my career compared to people who have been plagued with injuries, that is a huge thing to me that stands out um, as a reason for why I have been injury free. Um, for me though, I would also say that training with people who are faster than me is where I found I was able to get like some pretty significant jumps in my ability. And to be honest, I'm not even sure that it was, you know, I was for sure drawing more out of myself, just racing faster people on in a track workout or even on the roads and things like that. And just trying to keep up, I, my body had to figure it out right to get faster but I also think that just mentally that was very helpful for me to say like, wait, I am hanging on to these faster times that I didn't believe I could hit. And so once you start to like see that it's possible, your brain believes that those kinds of jumps are like more possible in the future too. Right. So, um, just kind of training that mental side helped. And I, I was able to find that through training with faster people, which I know during this time isn't necessarily possible, but, um, you know, something to be planning for when we, we will be able to be training with people eventually. And so that might be something you can work into your schedule then. Um, and just keep or go after the Java. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, Haley, so I, I uploaded one of my running things and Hillary's like, is this right? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I, just ran so fast because I knew I had to. And she's like, Alyssa, you have never even like run that fast in an 800 on a workout. Like I've never seen this kind of leg speed from you. And I'm like, and I did admit to her that I was wearing my like Nike racing shoes that, you know, because like, where else will I be wearing them for the near future? She's like, I may as well get some use out of them right now. Right. And she's like, no, no, no. This is like significantly faster than anything I thought you could do. Right. So again, and like now my mind is blown. I'm like, I can run like, uh, 245, 800. That's like, has a slight uphill in it. Like I should be running much faster when I'm doing track stuff. Right. So, um, uh, yeah. So whether it's like training with faster people or challenging yourself to just like throw caution to the wind and like go for these like segments on Strava in the meantime, right? Like you just have to, once you start to, you see an inkling of it, you'll start to believe it. And I think that's really, really powerful with running and like, learning to run faster. And like Alyssa said earlier, go for those Strava segments in, in appropriate workouts. Don't do them on your easy runs. Enjoy the easy runs, easy runs, real, real, real easy. That's how you stay injury free. That's true. And Haley, I know Haley is also good at running easy because of that time we ran Peachtree together and you were able to run with me like to and from the race. We ran like easy pace to and from the race. And then Haley ran that race a 10K, like minutes and minutes faster than I did, right? So um, 
easy running. That was like that was pre pre Strava segment, Alyssa. I <laughs> now I feel like I'm like, oh man, now we've unleashed a whole different Alyssa. Now we we found you found your niche is virtual racing, but uh, no, it is that is the key. The key is keeping the easy stuff easy, yes. and that's where that's where friend can be helpful too. Keep it conversational where you can talk and you're not breathing hard. And if one of you is breathing hard, slow down for your friend. If it's like during an easy day, what there's no, it's just time on your feet. Like you can, you know, chat. Totally. So Lindsay, hopefully that that's gives you. When we do have friends, I know. <laughs> otherwise we call someone while you're running. I know. I'll be like, okay, if I'm breathing heavy, let me know. I have to slow down. <laughs> But yeah, thanks to Lindsay for that great question. And our mailbag is always open. Ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We love answering your questions. And Alyssa, I think you're going to introduce our guest this week. I'm pretty excited about this one. Yes, Haley. So this week we talked to Nicole Falcaro and she gives us an update on being a professional triathlete in New York City and the surrounding areas. Her experiences working towards her pro status, racing and training while working full time, changing coaches, And of course, we get some great recommendations from Nicole because Nicole gives great recommendations we have come to know. So we wanted to make sure we picked her brain about that. So listen to this chat after a word from our sponsors. Iron Women is proud to be supported by Form Goggles in 2020. Form Goggles are the only swim goggles with a smart display that delivers metrics like split times, distance, pace, and more. And it's built right into the goggle lens. You can also analyze your metrics outside of the pool with the Form Swim app, because what triathlete doesn't love data? Head to formswim.com to learn more about the Form Swim goggles and pick up the missing link to your swim bag. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hey, thanks for choosing me to be on it. So you're joining us from Connecticut today, though you had been in New York City at the start of the COVID-19 outbreak there a few weeks ago, I believe. So can you just tell us a little bit about what that decision was like to go to Connecticut and what life looks like for you right now there? Yeah, so I'm a New York City expat right now. And about uh, a month ago, it's been a a month um, that I have been here and Actually, right after I had a wedding in that I attended in Brooklyn and right before coming over and it was just like uh, a lot of weird feelings happen as a result. Just like, oh, should we be doing this? Should we not be? And then once um, once there was uh, more announcements about other countries having uh, prohib- uh, prohibited exercising outside and activities outside, I thought, um, well, I know how what the what Central Park, where I train a lot, is like on a nice day and with, um, or, and on a weekend. So if, um, if this gets worse and more people are working from home, then I think that the, it's gonna be really hard to get training in. And, um, I just started living with my boyfriend and I said, if we, if we both have to work remotely and trying to not talk over each other and like basically live on top of each other, then, um, we're going to have to like go somewhere else. And it it was, um, we did three days of it where we both work remotely and we said there's room for us in Connecticut. So let's, um, let's take advantage and be able to spread out a little bit and stay productive during the day. 
And so I'm assuming you live in a, a smaller place in New York, and that's one reason you decided to to head for Connecticut. You have a little bit more space and also more space to train. So what is training like right now, I guess, just in Connecticut versus New York, but then also knowing that there's no pool and it's our goals are a little different with no races on the horizon. Yeah, uh, I have been doing my fair share of stretch cords for swimming, um, which I can do on an outdoor patio rather than in a stairwell. So that's great. Um, I do live in a tiny apartment in the Upper East Side. Um, and um, I live close to my pool when I'm there in New York. So um, that's obviously been a change, but it's been a change for everybody. Um, as far as the running goes, there's a lot, a lot of options in terms of roads here. And sometimes I have to dive off uh, into the road when I'm on a sidewalk for the first mile of my runs. And then I'm pretty much, um, home free up here. Um, whereas in New York, I only have, I have central park as my main option, which I heard has been really busy lately. And you, you kind of have to still keep those 7am times if you want some freedom and, um, if you don't want it to be too crowded. So I've been, um, and I'm so not a morning person, so I knew I couldn't trust myself to wake up that early to get like a, for the park not to be crowded. So, and then in terms of cycling, um, I heard that's been okay in New York City. Um, however, here I have a lot more hills, which I love, and I have a ton of new options to explore. So it's been fun to encourage that sense of adventure and less structured riding by having that change of location. So less structure, is it? Is that because, are you just kind of in maintenance mode or have you found other goals? Are you doing virtual racing or anything like that? I have yet to revive my Zwift account that I opened three years ago, but I think that time is coming soon because my training group just started. Um, I'm on the Julie Dibbins training squad or JD crew, and we just started doing some group riding. So, um, I might join Zwift again, um, but as far as the structure, I still have my weekday trainer uh, rides all on the trainer, and um, it's been, I, I was supposed to do Oceanside, so my first race has come and gone, and the difference is I, about a month ago, once we realized that Oceanside wasn't going to happen, we stopped the slow peak to that race. And so it's maintenance. Yeah, it's maintenance in the sense of like, we're not about to peak for anything, but the workouts are still, still structured and still tough. We do want to back up a little bit though, and talk our listeners through your development from age grouper to professional triathlete. So in 2012, I believe you found triathlon, but it wasn't until 2018 when you took your elite license, racing your first season as a pro. So in between those years, you were living in New York City, working full-time, and doing triathlon. So I want to know, did you always have racing as an elite in your sights? Uh, I always had racing to my full potential in my sights. And so when I did earn my elite license um, in my year of competing 2017, and like you said, taking it in 2018, um, it was kind of a no-brainer. I was like, yeah, I earned this opportunity. And I had one 
almost every race that I did in 2017. So it just seemed like the natural step to, to step up and say, okay, now it's time to swim, bike and run with the big girls and, um, see how I can, uh, see how I, how I fare against them. Part of that decision was based on my collegiate athletics experience where I ran cross country, indoor and outdoor track at Bucknell. And when I joined the coach told me I'd be like the 17th or so woman out of 25 on the cross country roster. And I was like, great. Like, it sounds like I'm like right, right in the middle. And I noticed by being stepping into that big pond that it always elevated my game a little bit more. So just decided to go pro starting the 2018 season and really never looked back and never felt like I didn't belong in that, in that field. Did your life change at all in maybe that 2017, 2018 year when you went from that elite age grouper to professional, did it change or does it feel pretty similar? It definitely changes the dynamic of racing. I've, uh, because I'm, I'm very much, um, my best finish was fourth in 2018 and my worst finish was 14th out of 24 in my first pro race in Oceanside 2018. So I, I'm very much like, I, I call myself a mid-pack pro and I think that's fair. Um, but it's very much a time trial from start to finish because you don't have that encouragement of like, oh, like that random uh, age grouper passed me, I'm going to go for it. Or that other woman passed me, I'm going to step up. So um, the racing dynamics changed for sure. And just taking everything a, a level more seriously um, in terms of training and um, and making sure that I carry myself as a pro. So my equipment's dialed in. I am not afraid to speak up at some of the, at the pro meetings if I ask a dumb question like, What's a gator? I asked one time. Like an alligator? It's like a... Like, I know. I'm like, wait, were you racing in Florida? Or like Augusta. <laughs> yeah, I no, mean, I feel like if you were in Augusta, it's, that's a valid Yeah, question. no, this is Traverse City. It's uh, apparently, it's like a golf cart. And it's like, they said that a gator is going to lead you on the run course. <laughs> and I was like, a gator? And like, people make fun of me for asking, but I, I was... <laughs> There were a lot of people, I promise, who were thankful you asked that because otherwise everyone would be out on the run course looking for the lead alligator. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, just um, racing pro changed a little bit how I um, how I approach my training, how I approach um, taking responsibility for knowing the course is also huge. You're not always have someone in the distance to follow. So, um, yeah, that's how it's changed. Was there anything you changed in your day-to-day life in those years, like right before 2018 for someone who might be kind of at the same point where they're really trying to earn that elite license, looking to race pro in the next couple of years and want to be like taking it more seriously? Like how did you structure your life different or were you always pretty disciplined enough to like, you didn't have to change much there? No, I have a constant struggle of giving myself enough time after workouts and getting to work and where I'm like running off the trainer and, and, uh, or jumping off the trainer, taking a, the quicker shower and like literally running to the subway. So now with that commute piece, not in my life right now, it's been really great. And I've had that, use that extra time to actually stretch and 
do mobility and most importantly, eat something right after a workout. Um, previously you'd see me like, I would be like eating a picky bar during my cool down and like literally taking off my heart rate monitor as, as I approach the last couple seconds. So, um, biggest piece is like those little things because I can't train more just because I'm a pro, Like I can't, I can't do an extra swim every day. I can't, you know, I don't suddenly have new time because I'm in this pro field. Um, so instead I focused on, um, on the, I guess it's so oversaid, but the recovery aspect. So like, am I, am I eating right after my workouts? Am I taking that time to stretch or even pre pre run? Am I doing that, those activation exercises so that I actually feel good and that I'm utilizing the correct muscles. So I don't think those um, things are oversaid at all. I'm glad you brought them up. You mentioned running <laughs> at Bucknell and as a college runner, what would you, what do you, I mean, looking back now, when you look back now on that career, how did you have your transition from collegiate athlete to uh, triathlete, even age group triathlete? Was it, was it, did it just come naturally or mm-hmm. was it hard? Yeah, the, so obviously expense was a big factor um, because living in New York is expensive, but then I wanted to take on this hobby um, at the time was a hobby that was also very prohibitively expensive. And I had had a few nagging injuries. Mostly I blamed steeplechase in college. Um, I think the most, a lot of incredible athletes come out of steeplechase, um, just with that attitude, but it also can kind of mess, mess up your hips and your back in my, in my case. So I came out of, of I, I enter, I kept running after I graduated college. As soon as I moved to the city, I joined a running club and I was chasing PRs just in running. And I was like, you know, this is fine, but like I have these nagging injuries and my physical therapist at the time offered to lend me her bike. And then, um, I was like, okay, sure. The bike did not fit me at all. Like I look back at pics. It's, it's hilarious. Um, it's was like two sizes too small, but, um, and so I started biking a little bit and found a coach who was uh, willing to ride with me and teach me that I was supposed to pedal downhills, which was a wild concept to me to keep pedaling down a hill and not coast. But um, and so I was like, OK, and honestly, and I'm not going to gloss over it. I was going through a breakup at the time and my then boyfriend was an elite level runner, you know, marathon trials qualifier and we, I was in the process of moving out because we lived together and I, I was like, you know what, I'm, I don't know, it wasn't spiteful, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to do a triathlon. And he's like, all right, well, like you're going to get a triathlete body. And I was like, what? Like, cool. Because those triathlete bodies look amazing. Like what, how, how are you trying to insult me right now? Anyway. So I did my first triathlon, a local sprint one in um in sandy hook new jersey um formerly formerly danskin uh then it was iron girl and i won it and i remember running i ran like a a low 19 off the bike in a 5k so sprint try and i was like oh that you know that was awesome like i'm winning a race it's so cool but um I'm still learning how to ride hard enough and not be able to run fast off the bike. So thanks to my ex for that. 
I know. I think we should all be offended for you and w- along with you. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. What is a travel on body? <laughs> I mean, that's just hilarious. But um, uh, I guess it is one of those things. It's like the body of someone doing a triathlon. It's quite varied <laughs> if he's ever been to a triathlon. But going back to living in New York City, we've talked to a few other uh, women who, who live and train in New York City, and they talk about the community, the triathlon community in New York City and how it's pretty robust. Did that help you? Yeah, and I, I think that it's robust because there's only so so many pools we actually have access to. So you're kind of just forced into like the facilities that are appropriate for triathlon training. Um, I know Christy Yan used to live in New York City and train Sarah Pampiano, um, a couple of big names, uh, and Cecilia Davis Hayes, who's one of my workout partners here. Um, and yeah, I think it's um, just by virtue of limited resources and facilities that we end up all knowing each other. And we love to kind of uh, band together in the sense of like, wow, isn't this really hard to do in New York? And, but isn't it also really great? Because it's, it's not all bad. We actually have some amazing facilities if you can, if you live near them. And so Nicole, when I think about the years from 2012 to 2018 of triathlon, like that was when the sport was booming and, but it changed a lot. And one of those biggest changes was like a major decrease in short course racing actually, which seems to be kind of like where you found your entry into the sport and what you kind of intended to focus on. So how did your racing evolve then as you began racing pro and saw things were shifting to more on the 70.3 distance? So I did kind of come into pro triathlon as short course was dissolving. Um, so I did the Philly, the last, uh, Philly try it was tri rock Philly at the time Olympic distance that's I won that race as an amateur which was one of the races that allowed me to get my pro card as well as first amateur at New York City triathlon in 2017 um, which is still around but last year was not going to offer a pro prize purse before it was ended up being canceled Um, so I I guess I'm it was a fortuitous uh, in, for me that I started to transition to half Ironman distance. Um, and my coach currently is, is having me, encouraging me to, before the current world conditions, was encouraging me to dip my toe more into Olympic distance, which um, such as Alcatraz and St. Anthony's Olympic distance tries. And I haven't done one in Olympic distance in about in two years. So um, I was looking forward to trying to go fast again. And um, that, you know, it's mostly because I was I'm, I have trouble pushing myself enough on the bike. So we figured, why not do a, a quick 40K and see if you could really push yourself versus my half Ironman distances? Does that answer the question? <laughs> It definitely does. And even just hearing you talk about Olympic distance, I'm in pain with my legs thinking about how <laughs> that is. It's like immediately where my mind goes. <laughs> so Nicole, you're, you called yourself a mid pack pro. We prefer the term consistent top 10 finisher. 
What has been your most <laughs> proud moment? Do you have one from your first couple seasons as a pro? Yeah, I can't ever forget about Dunleary 70.3 and in 2018. And it was raining like crazy in on the bike course. And you started out with um, up to 15% grade climbs. And this is in to the Ireland, the right? Uh, just so that yeah, uh, we okay. Just making sure I have my geography right. Where we're getting fifteen percent climbs in the rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a Dunleer is a suburb of Dublin, so it's a, I think it's like around a half hour outside of it, and um, I think they shared some of the similar courses with the old Dublin course. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, I think so. Anyway, so huge, huge, steep climbs. Um, I could not see out of my visor during the race during the, while we were on the top of a mountain, um, I saw a guy wipe out in front of me. It was the scariest thing, um, pouring rain and, and then you had steep windy descents and racing in Europe is just very different in the sense that the bike courses are more risky because I think there's less liability. So you get, um, you get some of those technical descents and, um, and, and we, oh, a sheep ran out across the road and then proceeded to make a left. And so was running with me for me as I was riding for a little bit. So just all the craziest things you could think of. And I think the reason I did so well at that was not because I'm an amazing handler, because I'm not, although I do ride through New York City. So I've, I've been forced to learn some of that. But the reason is because I had to push so hard just to stay upright and I had to push to get myself up the hills that it and my I guess power to weight ratio just um, was much better suited for me than if I were to do a race like Galveston or even Chattanooga is like kind of flat. So, um, yeah. So then we came, we descended the mountain, came out to the run course and it was like a partly cloudy, partly sunny day. And it, it was as if nothing happened. And you almost wanted to tell the spectators, like, you don't know what I just dealt with on that climb. That was insane. That bike ride, like people were like, guy fell off his bike. And, you know, it was just, it was almost like a dream. So um, I ended up finishing fourth in that race and I was about a minute off of third. And I just to be able to sniff the podium at a race was um, really got me hungry. I don't know if it's less liability over in Europe, but I feel like it's just the way of life there. It's just like, I don't know if they're just, yeah, the, well, the infrastructure is quite different in some of those places like Ireland. Um, when I raced Ironman UK, it was like that. Like, I think they just didn't have like wide open roads that didn't have sheep and things and like bushes around the curve. So you can't see, you know, so it is, it's just a a different like way of life I guess that I think everyone who is local was like totally used to it and normal and then I knew right. myself and some other people were like where are we riding right now this is like taking me way out of my comfort zone yeah oh and add to that like riding on the left uh, on the on the left side of the road granted like exactly. the course was yep. mostly closed but and yeah it could be really disorienting yeah, it it always feels like I think scarier than it probably really is when you when you if you were used to it. But anyway, so yeah. despite the hiccup we've all kind of had here with our 2020 seasons, 
you do seem poised in attack and, you know, to attack the race season and, and ready, right? Had things not been kind of called off before Oceanside. So this is partly because you made a coaching change and had, like you said, joined the JD crew, which is coached by Julie Dibbins. And it looked like you started your 2020 season off with training camp, I think, in Vegas. So that was about six mm-hmm. weeks ago. And I saw you post that it was your first training camp experience. So what was that like for you? Yeah, I had always wanted to do a camp before. And even growing up, it was um, prohibitively expensive for my parents. Um just with like the sports I did with softball and um, uh, swimming. So I saw now that I'm grown up, I can I can go to these camps and I was really excited to meet my, I guess you can call them my teammates. And I, and part of that coaching decision, that coaching change was to insert myself with people with similar goals as me and um, again, um, kind of put myself as a small fish in a big pond. So I loved, I loved camp. I can only attend half of it, um, due to a bachelorette party that I actually came directly from. So I went from New York city to Florida to Vegas and, um, you know, traveled with my fins and my pull buoy, um, to the bachelorette party. So that was kind of funny. Um, and yeah, camp was, camp was awesome. Um, I got to meet, uh, Lauren Brandon and Laura Sadal, Holly Benner. Those were the girls involved in camp and it was great to elevate myself and see what a full-time professional triathlon schedule is, is like, because I didn't work during that time. It actually took complete time off from my full-time job. And can you tell us about your coaching change to Julie Dibbins? How did you make that decision and how's it going? Yeah, that decision was really tough. And I had worked with my previous coach for seven years. And he is the one I aforementioned basically going on a bike ride with me and teaching me how to ride a bike. And I had only ridden a bike with clip-in pedals one time beforehand. So, um... So for him to really take me under his wing and his wife as well started to ride with me once I was fast enough and, um, leaving, leaving that was, was difficult, but I also, I knew that I needed to shake things up and I wanted that camaraderie of other athletes that were similar and, and better than me. And, um, I had, done it was it was hard to find a coach there's no directory of coaches um I was looking at other pro triathletes instagrams and say like who's out there and I had a couple phone calls with other triathletes and said who do you know in boulder who do you know in not that how to be boulder who do you know because you live in boulder who do you know just from other triathletes um and I vetted a list of a couple dozen coaches and reached out to a um reached out to a few of them and uh, got a sense of what their coaching philosophy was like, if they even had room on their roster to accept me. So I started this process in the fall of last year and it was like my entire October was trying to make this decision. So I did not take it lightly and um, really kind of approached it very, 
very methodically as I do most things. And um, I felt like I really made the right decision now that I'm with, with Julie for just six months now already. I can relate to doing things methodically, I guess is the word I'm looking for there. Because you're a math major too, right? Is that? Yeah, I'm a math major and a product manager. So it kind of, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So we did want to talk to you about, um, just that, like what you do in real life too. Um, so you mentioned not working full time, like while you were working at all while you were at training camp, but in outside of training camp life, you are balancing training with working full time and being a pro and racing and training and all of that. So can you tell our listeners kind of what you do and about the challenges that come along with working full time for you while you're racing as a pro? Yeah, well, I definitely have to be careful about the time off that I'm allotted. Um, but people at work are su- very supportive, and I'm very transparent of like, hey, I'm going, I'm racing in California this weekend. Um, so that's top of mind for me, um, even though it looks like I won't be racing for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mentioned like the time management I've have not perfected. I pride myself on my two minute showers after a workout and getting to the subway as fast as I can and optimizing my commute like uh very carefully um but I I have developed some tools in order to make everything work together which is um never starting a meeting or setting up a meeting before 9 30 if I can avoid it and ideally 10 just because I know I'm going to I show up at the office around then And I have been doing a lot of run commutes at least once a week from the office back to home since my gym is not near my work. Um, So those run commutes are a fantastic way to eliminate a commute on the subway, which like it seems like forever ago that I rode the subway. But um, those run commutes are a great way to uh, find time in my day. And... And yeah, like I, I also really optimize the time after work because about four out of the five days during the week, I'll have two workouts. So I do one before work and one after work around 7 a.m. and 6 p.m. So it's uh, not unusual for me to get off the bike around 8 p.m. And I actually find that I do better with the night workouts than I do the morning workouts. And um and yeah, like living in New York, if I have to, it's rare that I order takeout, but sometimes it just, it has to be. And um, yeah, that's sort of how I juggle everything. Your Instagram bio mm-hmm. includes the tagline, putting the pro in process. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I love puns. So, um, and portmanteaus. So portmanteaus, combination of two words, like, uh, smoke and fog is smog. So I kind of like podcast. I play with podcast that a lot. Is a portmanteau, right? I, I oh yeah, well, I, <laughs> I learned that from your Instagram. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah. Just uh, I I think of everything as um, as a process and a process to be enjoyed, and I um, and I think we're always thinking about optimizing 
that like optimizing everything and like life hack and let's you know like take shortcuts but I think part of why I love triathlon is knowing that there aren't no there aren't really any shortcuts and and thinking more about and enjoying that process as as long and as long and delayed gratitude as it can be and so I love thinking about that putting that professional aspect of of taking your training incredibly seriously and optimize optimizing um kind of enjoying like enjoying the the minutia of the day-to-day and sometimes that the tedium of that training and that process and having it mold you into the best athlete you can be. Does that make sense? It does. <laughs> and I think the fact that you're even like self-aware enough to take a step back and look at it and, you know, think of that, that whole process through and about how to then make that your career and race as a pro and everything just shows that you are exemplary for how to put the pro in process. Can I also just add that it's mm-hmm. wild that you're a math major and you seem to love words so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I found that I have to, in my day-to-day work as a product manager, which I forgot to, I work at Citibank. I, I feel like I've been very like nebulous about what I do. Um, but, um, being a digital product manager, I have to very well articulate what it is I try to accomplish when I'm trying to deliver a feature on city on the app or the website. And so I find myself in legal calls and compliance calls and, um, even talks with my dev team about how to very clearly articulate what it is I want to accomplish. So I, I think that also makes me really coachable. If you had continued to not tell us what you did, I was thinking maybe Haley and I would just say you were in the CIA or something when we did your <laughs> outro. So <laughs> now, we won't, now we won't start that rumor. Um, but Nicole, we know you have been an Iron Women listener. Thank you. Because you yeah. have written into our mailbag before, which is ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com for our listeners. So you actually suggested to us first the documentary, I Just Want to Ride, that profiles Lael Wilcox, who actually oh, yeah. Haley and I are interviewing next week. So... We want, yeah, we're really excited about that. And we wanted you though, to weigh in on some other suggestions for our listeners, because that one was so great. Um, in a little segment we'll have here today called Nicole's favorites. So here we go. Um, we would love to hear your top three recommendations for TV shows or movies for the trainer or really in this time we're living in just for quarantine life. Sure. So I've rediscovered Mad Men, which I've already watched through. Um, It's on Netflix right now. And it's a very slow moving show, but that's not full of spectacle, but full of character development. That's one. Mad Men. McMillions is on the HBO app, which is now also has it's part of their free content. So I'm really into McMillions because I'm obsessed with playing the Monopoly game at my local uh, grocery store here. Um, so it's like Acme, Albertsons, Vons, that whole family for people listening across the country, um, obsessed with a Monopoly game. <laughs> uh, and McMillions is about the McDonald's version of it. And I would have to also recommend going back and watching episodes of Sex in the City, uh, which is 
it's so funny. It's some things are really outdated about it, but then there's some things that are just completely timeless. And having lived in New York for just over 10 years, it's, uh, it's a favorite. I feel like I was young, too young when Sex and the City was really out to like really oh, yeah. appreciate a lot of what goes I on. I wasn't in that allowed show. to watch it. Yeah, I, I'm sure I wasn't either. Like, <laughs> so that was probably part of the problem. But whenever I catch it now, I am like, this is such a good show. So actually, that's a good reminder. I'm going to write that down for me. I need to like watch some more in order, though. Outdated are mm-hmm. when they like talk on a, a phone. I think any yeah. any old show that like whenever they talk on a phone, you're like, oh my goodness, what are they holding? And then it's also crazy when they're like, I'm so old. I'm 28. And like the first time I watched it, I was like, wow, you're, you are so old. And now I'm like, oh my God, that's way younger than me. Yeah. They're like, oh, big left me a voicemail. You're like, that would never happen anymore. Very nice uh, strolls down memory lane these days, though. I don't, I don't hate them. Can you? Uh, we want to. We're continuing on this top three recommendations theme. Your top three recommendations for quarantine activities that are not training or necessarily sport related. Yeah, to harp on that, I think you can't do more now. Like you have more time, but you can't do too much more. So. Um, yeah, so I, I haven't been, I've been finding more time with not commuting to do these things instead of doing more training because you can only do so much. But baking, huge. Uh, I think everyone's like making bread. There's no yeast at my grocery store, so I haven't been doing bread, but muffins and cookies. I'm a cookie monster. Um, I've been, haven't done this, but I'm going to say it because I plan to do it and it'll keep me accountable is doing like a digital Marie Kondo of your email inbox and maybe all your files um, is something I'm going to do. Mark my word. And I mentioned this before, but playing the Monopoly game and getting like, I actually won a free donut, free bagel and aluminum foil with uh, at my grocery store and I've redeemed all those things. So. Okay. I have to admit, I, I haven't been to the grocery store in a couple of weeks, but when I was there, like, I can't remember which one I was at and they were like, do you play Monopoly? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? Do I play Monopoly? No. And now here you are being like, it's the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, I'm the idiot who thought it was like some <laughs> child's game. <laughs> yeah, no, you can win like instant Instant free stuff. I didn't know free donuts were part fun. of this equation. I'm going to start having to try to play Monopoly. I got to look up which store has it. Yeah, yeah. Some are like, some are lame ones. Like, you get like bad, bad ticket, like coupons and good ones. So, okay. Our next topic for you, Nicole, your top three songs for a hard trainer or treadmill intervals. All right. So, this is, this is like a crutch for me. So I try not to listen to music. I, that's why I listen to your your podcasts and other podcasts too. So, um, but in a pinch girl talk is my secret weapon. So girl talk is like those mix. Uh, it's a, I guess it's a group, but it's more of a DJ that mixes songs together. And it's usually like an 80 song with like a modern day song. Um, I find that's all really helpful and like fast beat. And Um, I love Lizzo lately. She's just super, um, her music's really fun and her interviews are really positive. And I mentioned podcasts. So a podcast that I think, um, that is really under the radar, but super geeking out is the marginal gains podcast 
by Silka founder Josh Portner. Silka is um, bike um, tools and his podcasts are amazing. And he talks about, you know, tire pressure and um, CDA or coefficient of drag aerodynamics, something like that. I probably just butchered it. But um, if you really want to get into the science behind what to fill your tires to or what to um, why arrow matters, it's it's an amazing podcast. What about your three indoor ride snacks? So first is Picky Bars, since they're, they are one of my sponsors. So um, I'm obsessed with Picky Bars. Pop-Tarts, in terms of calorie per dollar, you cannot go wrong. And you can find them anywhere. And just any kind of fruit snacks. Are, I always find fun to pop. Uh, throughout throughout a ride because there's like 10 of them so you're like oh every interval I can like give myself a, a gummy we Not all do the same tricks to... don't we yeah. I yeah. eat them all at once I could never like wait one gummy <laughs> per interval I'm like 10 now and then three intervals later I'm hungry Depends. it's probably the only oh, time when I actually wait yeah <laughs> and one more top three Nicole what are the top three things that you miss about New York City the most right now Obviously, the bagels I miss so much. Um, Masters long course meters. So my pool actually has is uh, has long course set up three days a week, and I miss the people. I miss the workouts, and running on the bridal path in New York is uh, you know there's nothing like it. It's it's a two and a half mile loop plus a one and a half mile extension of dirt road essentially. So I miss that. Well, hopefully we will not be nostalgic about those things for too much longer. We are definitely thinking about everyone in New York and everyone everywhere because this is crazy, crazy times we're living in. But thank you so much for coming on the show today, for giving us a little insight into your entire career, for giving more excellent recommendations because we always, whenever we hear from Nicole, like Nicole always has the best recommendations. So I'm definitely going to be uh, <laughs> researching a couple of those in a especially those like Netflix, Netflix recommendations and the monopoly. But thank you again, Nicole. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. As triathletes, we should all be committed to fueling our bodies with products. We are confident in at iron women. Noon hydration is our go-to committed to clean hydration, a clean planet and clean sport. Noon Hydration shares our values, and we are proud to use Noon Hydration on and off the race course. Plus, it tastes good. My favorites are the Watermelon Noon Sports Tabs, Citrus Mango Noon Endurance, and then warming up some Noon Rest before bedtime. Noon Hydration offers the Iron Women community a 30% discount at NoonLife.com with the code IRONWOMEN. That's N-U-U-N-Life.com with the code IRONWOMEN. Haley, so we have some follow-up kind of education or rec- not, yeah, education from Nicole for our listeners, right? I'm ready. What is it? So we wanted to follow up and confirm that, well, not confirm, but let people know that blog is actually an abbreviation of a portmanteau. Am I saying this correctly? Yes. It comes from the portmanteau web blog, which was then shortened to blog and... Nicole wants us to know that in the line of digital portmanteaus, pixel is a portmanteau of picture and element. My brain just does not like, I mean, I can see it once it's written out for me with this, 
But I, I don't know if it's because I've, I had never heard of this before or what, but I, it takes me quite a while to be like, oh, picture an element, pixel. I guess I see it, but like my brain doesn't see it right away. It's crazy. I am fascinated that we can have an abbreviation of a portmanteau. I mean, that is just like that. The fact that someone, some linguist can come up with that. I also was reading an article over the weekend and the word portmanteau was, was used. And I was like, I know what that is. So thank you, Nicole. And I will also add that I, um, I attempted a little bit of a digital Marie condoing of my computer this weekend mostly spurred on by the fact that I had no free storage space on my computer. And so, um, and Alyssa, guess what? I had so many interviews on my computer. Guess how far back they went? Like Iron Women interviews? Yes, yes, the files. That's what was taking up so much space. Oh my gosh, when did we start doing this together? Like it wasn't 2017? That bad. Yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. But it, they went back to July. So it, I, oh, okay. Marie Kondo would, would probably have That not, is a lot when we're doing it every week. I know. She would not have appreciated my hoarding of, of audio files. So... Which should am I should I even ask which ones you kept that brought you joy? That's her rule, right? <laughs> yeah, which ones spark joy? I can say that we have some some finished episodes that are up on the ironwomenpodcast.com web you know website that I can visit anytime. So it's like it's like having a library there for everything that sparks me joy. I didn't really need raw intro and outro files of you and I chatting. Sorry, Alyssa. Those ones they got the axe. But maybe I should have kept a few. Well, I, I actually I have to confess I only got through October. So there's still plenty there to spark lots of joy. If I if I'm missing your voice, I can just play a file from October of you talking to me. So um I I'm not I'm not full Marie Kondo. I'm like what what's a half Marie? Can you go half Marie Kondo? I don't I think she is if anyone is all in or nothing, it is Marie Kondo. So, I'm like at the yeah. point when like all of your stuff is like spread in your in the, your living room. <laughs> and that's just where I'm going to live now. <laughs> all my digital files are just all over the desktop. And it's just like that's this is life now. I just got to go get another computer, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll, hopefully, hopefully that that does get better for or you. Or an maybe. external hard drive. I mean, that's, a that's pretty, true. It's easier to store that than clothing. I mean, digital files are easier. I think you can do it. I think you just she gives people a break like it's a it's a process. I mean, I watched the Netflix show and it makes it seem like it happens in 30 minutes, but you can tell it's a process. So give yourself some some time and I think it'll it'll work out for you. Thanks for your faith in me, Alyssa. It was great to catch up with you. I loved hearing from Nicole and I will talk to you next week. Oh, I left something out. You have your hand up. What is it? <laughs> Haley, you're going to be on the Iron Women Instagram. You can take people through your next steps of the digital Marie Kondo if you want, because you're doing an Instagram takeover. Oh, I forgot. I'm so glad you reminded me. It's coming up this Monday, May 4th. I am doing an Instagram takeover of the Iron Women Instagram account. And maybe that is what I'll just do all day. It's just, you'll watch me delete audio files. <laughs> it's going to be exciting. Definitely tune in. All right, Haley. Well, we will all eagerly await that, but thanks Nicole and Haley. I'll talk to you next week. Bye Alyssa. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. My favorite podcast hosts are Alyssa Gadeski and Haley Chura. My favorite editor 
is Aaron Hamilton. The Iron Women Podcast is a live feisty media production.